Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Pre-Med Years is part of the MedEd Media Network at mededmedia.com. This is the Pre-Med Year, session number 213. Hello and welcome to the two-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome back to The Pre-Med Years. If this is not your first time joining us, and if it is, welcome. You are lucky enough to be joined today with the lovely Allison Gray. Hello. How are you doing, Allison? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's been a while, as always. Yep. I make some cameos here and there. (laughs) Whenever I welcome you down to the dungeon. Yep. All right. Today, we are going to talk about... Well, first, I want to talk about the Specialty Stories podcast, because that was released last week. I played it here on the Pre-Med Years feed. So if you tuned in last week to hear me and interview somebody interesting, I was interviewing somebody interesting, but it was for a different podcast. So I got a lot of great feedback on that. And the Specialty Stories podcast that's coming out today, as this podcast is coming out, is all about a community emergency medicine physician, all all about uh, talking to him and, and learning his story. So that should be good. Nice. I think it's it's really cool how you're having physicians from different parts of the practice. In other words, you have people from the community, you have people from academics. It's it's good. It's different. Yeah. I, I think one of the, the things that I realized at, at some point when I was going through, when I was in medical school, when we were in medical school, and I was still on the ortho train, Realizing that what I was experiencing on my ortho rotations didn't necessarily have to be what my life looked like. The the attendings that were working crazy hours and on call all the time, they they were in an academic setting. And so it's much busier than a community hospital where maybe you're strictly outpatient and you you go into a surgical center and do your surgeries whenever you want, one day a week or two days a week. So completely different settings. So I realized early on that as medical students, as you're exposed to this, what you see, you, you may be turned off by it, not realizing what the other 80% of of the population lives like because it's the majority of physicians are in community they're not in academics 
Absolutely. And even, yeah, within one specialty, what uh, you see people doing when you're a resident, when you're a medical student, yeah, it could be vastly different depending on ge- geography and whether you're a referral center, what level trauma center you are. There are so many different things that, that play into it. Yeah. And one of the extra levels I wanted to talk to women and men because their experiences are going to be different as well. Yeah, very true. Good right. stuff. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear from from my colleagues in other other areas of medicine and surgery. Yeah, four podcasts a week. Yay! <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, uh, one one quick uh, announcement. As we're recording this, it's December twentieth, twenty sixteen. I was just asked to speak. Uh, I I asked them to see if I could speak, and then they offered me an invitation to speak at the um, California State University San Bernardino, so Cal State San Bernardino, their pre-med conference on January 14th. So if you are in the area, I'd love for you to come join us January 14th again at at CSU uh, San Bernardino. That's awesome. Yes. Very, very cool. Yes, yes. All right. So today's episode I got the inspiration for today's episode based on a post in the Facebook group. And if you're not in our Hangout group, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash group. And it started with this post, and I'll read it. It says, hey, everyone, hope all the other students out there are surviving finals, period. So I'm pre-med, obviously, and I am currently doing computational bio, biomath research. I'm trying to decide whether to major in computational bio which I've never heard of before. Have you? No, but anything <laughs> computational, I probably don't know anything about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Smart people. Or philosophy. I've heard of that one. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Completely opposite ends of the spectrum. I said this in a previous post, but I find both to be fascinating. I think comp bio would give me a stronger quantitative skills, would give me stronger quantitative skills, but philosophy would bolster my humanities background. My mom thinks that majoring in comp bio would make my app more cohesive and thus more appealing to med schools than if I majored in philosophy. Does this actually play into application considerations? Thoughts? When when you went to undergrad, how did you decide what you were going to major in? I really liked everything in high school. I liked all of my subjects. I was, again, one of those weird people that really liked school and blah, blah, blah. But I really, really liked science especially. And so I just really knew that I wanted to focus on science. And then the cool thing about McGill was that you could actually choose physiology, which was human science. Because I was always more interested in the human body than I was in like plants and you know, rocks and <laughs> you don't you don't care how plants get it on. <laughs> well, not really. I just like eating plants and <laughs> having flowers delivered. And um, but yeah, so I, that was that was pretty much it. I, I was really interested in human based science and wanted to learn about the human body. And so it was pretty much it was great because a lot of United States schools at that time didn't offer physiology as a major. So that was that was pretty easy for me actually. Yeah. I think I was the same way. I don't mean it was easy, an easy major. I mean, it was an easy decision. <laughs> Let me be clear. <laughs> oh, so you picked your major based on how easy it was going to no, be. No. And in fact, physiology is not easy. <laughs> yeah. 
Very interesting, but yeah. Yeah, I did the same thing. I I knew that I wanted I, that I was pre med. I wanted to go to medical school, and I didn't want to major in chemistry, biology, microbiology. Again, that stuff was boring to me because there was no, it wasn't applicable to what I wanted to do in life. Mm-hmm. So I majored in exercise physiology, which kind of combined my passion of exercise too. Which yeah, cool. it was a very practical thing to do. Practical, and when you look at the the major and all the course requirements, it's like, oh, that's that's a med school requirement. That's a med school requirement. So mm-hmm. I, there weren't a lot of other things that I had to take. So, but you know, that's interesting though because. I think that there is this philosophy that when you go to undergrad, you should really explore and you should diversify yourself. And that's why a lot of these schools now have distribution requirements too. Did you have those? Oh yeah. Yeah. Gen, gen ed. Yeah. We didn't have that, but I well, still chose to, well, <laughs> well, it's more European style where you just have classes that are focused on what you're studying. And I didn't even have a requirement for an English class, but I knew that for pre-med I was going to need English and I really wanted to make sure I didn't forget how to write a paper and forget how to, <laughs> you know, speak English well, I guess. So I took English. I took Greek mythology, which was fascinating and I loved it. And I took some other things, but there were very few, very few electives. So you picked your major based on what you liked and what you enjoyed and what you were interested in, did the thought ever cross your mind, this major will look good to medical schools? Yeah, I think so. Um, I definitely had been interested. I think at the time, honestly, I thought, gosh, you know, I think it would be really cool to be a doctor. It would also maybe be really cool to be a lawyer. But those were kind of the two things in my mind. And I was so, you know, I came from a very science heavy family. And again, the human body interest. So I I think it was more like the lawyer thing got, you know, sifted down to the bottom. But yes, I probably yes, very early on thought yes, being a doctor would be great. And I would love to do that. I think that would be a great, uh, great career to pursue. And in my uh, in my undergrad program, a lot of kids identify themselves pretty early on as pre-med. And so I thought, yeah, physiology, that would work. <laughs> I, I don't think I was smart enough at that point to think about what medical schools would want to see. And I think that helped me. And what I tell students now is it doesn't matter what medical schools want you need to study what you're passionate about what you're interested in and and you were interested in science i was interested in in physiology and learning about the body when you study something you're interested in it shows in your grades it shows during your interviews when you're talking about it it shows in your applications when you're writing about it so it's important to pick something not just because your mom says so, or or you think that the medical schools are are looking at that major and going, okay, this this person really wants to be a doctor. He majored in computational bio, which maybe he's interested in. But yeah, I think when you when you go to college, it may be one of your last opportunities, unless you do a lot of graduate work or go abroad and take time off to explore the world. It may be one of your last opportunities to really explore areas that you are interested in, like philosophy or like art history. And 
it's a great time. You're young, you're, or maybe you're not young, you're whatever age you are, but it's a great time to have the opportunity to study other, other things that you may not be able to have time to focus on later. When you get to medical school, there is no time to study anything else. So if you have interest, I think it's great also just for, for your soul, for your life, for your, for your, just your brain to, to, to learn what you want to learn when you have the chance to do that. I agree with you. I think it's it's good for for diversifying what you bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Which, it's funny, just a kind of a, a sidebar, what you just mentioned, bringing to the table. I was doing mock interviews with a student who just interviewed at Stanford, which, if he gets in, awesome. It's Stanford, obviously. And he wrote me back and and told me about the interview day and mentioned that they specifically said, what we are looking to do is build a diverse community of students. They're not looking for all 4.0, 528 MCAT students. They're looking for students with different backgrounds and different experiences and different educations and to, to build a community of, I think, 90 people at Stanford. So Definitely. It's, it's and I've heard that from other... I think even when I was a med student, I, I remember, or not a med student, but a pre-med student, I remember hearing that when I would go to visit medical schools for interviews, and they would say that we're looking for a diverse community and people who bring different skills and different backgrounds. So I I wish, honestly, that I had had the opportunity to explore more because my program was so regimented and there were so few spots where you could take an elective. I wish I'd had the opportunity to do more. Yeah. One thing that I wish I did during school, during my undergrad years, was do a semester at sea. Oh, yeah. A friend of mine did that and loved it. That's been awesome. Good times. Although, I don't, I mean, how often do they dock? If, you're, if you get seasick, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> no, but that's the best part of going on a cruise is just being at sea and yeah, you've being said in the that. middle of nowhere. That's right. It's awesome. All right. So, uh, what we've talked about so far isn't really the heart of what I wanted to talk about today. So, I mentioned to the student, major in whatever you want, right? My, my general advice, do whatever you want. And he responded back, I guess a second issue is that I do like philosophy more, but comp bio would be more viable as an alternative to medicine on the off chance that I don't get into it. Thoughts on this? Mm. Plan B. Mm-hmm. Did you have a plan B? I did not. I was asked immediately when I told my pre-med advisor about my interest in pursuing medicine. She almost immediately asked what my plan B was, which I thought was really offensive and rude because she had met me like two minutes prior. And that was part of the whole thing of how I, my advising was not very helpful when I was a pre-med student. But um, I was asked about that. And I was asked at one of my medical school interviews, what would you do if you couldn't become a doctor? But I did not go in with any sort of plan B in mind. What would have plan B been looking back at it now? I think at the time, I mean, looking back now, I'm not sure. At the time, I think I thought, well, I would go into research or be a scientist. And I don't really think I knew really what that meant even. But my mom had been a scientist and had been a biochemist and done research. And I thought, well, I I love science. If I couldn't be a doctor, I guess I would go into science. But I, but I, I didn't really believe that because I really wanted a, a job and a career in which I could really work with people and contribute to people one on one. And I, I didn't know that. I, at least at that time, it, to me, the idea of research meant really more bench research and being with pipettes and 
and tubes and <laughs> not necessarily contributing um, in a direct way in terms of a healing way. And in clinical research, I think that's a lot different and not something that I appreciated at the time. But yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I really, I had this vague idea of what a scientist was. And I think that's what <laughs> I told myself. What did you think? Did you have any plan B? No. I wanted to cut people. I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. There was. I'm glad you didn't come up with a plan B to cut people in a different <laughs> way. That could have gone very dark. <laughs> Dexter much. <laughs> yeah. Black market <laughs> appendectomies, I guess. Now, I, I think I that was all that I wanted to do. I think or, originally I wanted to be a physical therapist, and that, that morphed into being an orthopod. But maybe I can see going into physical therapy or something, but I I didn't, that was all I knew I wanted to do. So I didn't have a plan B. And my advice now when I talk to students is don't have a plan B. And that's because of research out there from, from psychology research about how having a plan B allows you to take your foot off the gas and and kind of accept a plan B if things get a little bit hard with your plan A. Mm-hmm. And as you know, and as I know, plan A, getting into med school is hard. Absolutely. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's this little thing called the MCAT. Did you like the MCAT? Ugh, no. <laughs> wow. I figured, I, I thought you were going to say yes. I loved it. I I did not enjoy the MCAT because a lot of it, it had a lot of physics. It was all Scantron. It was a million bubbles. It was just it was an arduous test, and it was it was a huge, you know, like a lot of pre meds talk about now. It it felt like a huge hurdle and a huge mountain to climb, and it was exhausting. I, it was not one of my favorite tests. Did I like taking uh, USMLE? Absolutely, those are fun tests. <laughs> That's when you're in med school and you're taking those board exams. But the MCAT, the MCAT is not, it's, it's, it felt at the time like it did not have uh, practical information that was going to help me as a doctor. I don't think I appreciated that physics was helpful for physiology and that chemistry was going to help me for renal and all these sorts of things. You don't appreciate that at the time. So yes, no, I did not enjoy the MCAT, Ryan. <laughs> did you? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. So it's it's funny. I, I've given this advice to to many students. Don't have a plan B when it comes to applying to medical school, being a physician. One of the students that I did some mock interviews with last year, a, a non traditional student. I had him on the podcast, Kane. I had him on a while ago. He got into UCF, great medical school. He actually posted after I think after he had already been accepted to medical school. He went and posted on Student Doctor Network. Like, what are my chances? Here are my stats. What are my chances? Just for fun. <laughs> Just for fun. And so the, I'll post a link to it in the show notes. But it's it's an amazing post. And everybody's like, give up on your dream, dude. There's no chance. And <sighs> and they have these professors and, and attendings and all these other people that are just like, there's no chance. What are you doing? Oh, my gosh. And, and here he is, a medical student at UCF now and and doing well but he mentioned in one of his posts in that thread that he's been told not to have a plan b and one of the posters who is a five plus year member 
and is a professor at an academic something institution, blah, 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 said, only a fool would give this advice. <laughs> wow. Says, and only a gullible person would take it. Wow. That's Student Doctor Network for you. Oh, my goodness. So Says, negative. No good surgeon ever goes into an OR with only a plan A. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. You need plan Bs in life, but not for being a physician. It said it, they finished up by saying no good pre-med should lack plan B. So I'm going to post um, some links to articles. But if you just Google psychology having a plan B, a lot of stuff comes up about the research in having a plan B. And one of these titles says having a plan B can hurt your chances of success. So there's a lot of, of research out there, papers out there that have, that have been published in psychology journals about plan Bs. So I, I think I, I think if you have a plan B, you as we talked about earlier, as soon as that that poor grade comes in, in organic chemistry, and you're you're majoring in computational bio, whatever that is, and and all of a sudden one of these medical school prereqs come along and you don't do so well, you start justifying to yourself, well, I, I do like my major, so I guess maybe I should just do that instead. And to those people I say, cool, see ya. Because obviously being a doctor wasn't right for them in the first place. Do you, would you agree with that? I would. I think that it, you have to keep your foot on the gas and we all have bumps in the road. I, I failed a test right in the middle of my junior year in one of my physiology classes I'll never forget. And I burst into tears. It was the worst grade I think I've ever had. And I just, my, my head was not in it cause I was going on vacation and I just, it was just a bad, it was a, it was a bad bump in the road. And I remember breaking down crying in the middle of this quadrangle in, in my university area and calling my mom and saying, mom, what am I going to do? And I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to switch my major and this is a disaster. And I think I cried about it probably for a couple days. And um, I remember I studied my butt off for the rest of the term. And then uh, I took my final and I managed to get a C plus, <laughs> which was like, yay, I didn't fail the course. <laughs> Who wants a C plus on the record? No one. But, uh, and it, it was, was just I remember calling my mom actually from Europe because I was in Europe when I got that final grade and I was so delighted that I hadn't failed. But the point is I cried about it for a little while and then I picked myself up and I said, no, you're here. You have a path that you're on. You want so much to to go and pursue being a physician. Don't let this bump in the road stop you. And if I had had a true plan B that I could have just slid into, I think that it's possible I might have. I think having a plan B gives you it, it lets you off the hook big time and that is not something that that's helpful to you if you go and you apply for med school five times ten times and it's not working out that's a different deal right but if you that's what caribbean schools are for well if you <laughs> apply and it doesn't work out that clearly does not mean that you can't be a doctor and we've had people who've been on the show or people that you've advised people who we've talked to and know who have applied three times and gotten in. 
someone uh, who I was up in school with in Canada, she was teaching the med students and had been rejected several times and finally got into med school. It, it's, I think that the picture that's portrayed is so negative and that, oh, if you have this combination of numbers, you know, it's, it's not going to work out. So you'd better get yourself a plan B. And that's, that's not helpful psychologically. It's not helpful for your, your drive and your ambition. And, and all of those things should not get in the way of you, of your passion and your drive. I agree with you completely. Good. You should. <laughs> I'm always right. I think it's on, it's reasonable to, to, understand why someone would would consider having a plan b and clearly i mean my advisor asked me a medical school asked me and we were talking about this earlier what should i have said when the medical school asked me because i did not say probably what what you recommend i said oh i think i would be a scientist <laughs> yeah no the the answer is i'll figure out what i need to do to get in and i'll reapply mm-hmm. yeah being which, a, which being in a physician of, is a calling like yeah, it's it is you, you yes. get to that choice to this decision by figuring out that there's nothing else that you want to do mm-hmm. yep I and agree so if you. you have a plan b you haven't made you haven't gone down that that algorithm yet mm-hmm. and if you do decide to be a physician and you haven't gone down that algorithm you may be one of the majority of physicians who are going to be burnt out mm-hmm. because you truly aren't meant to be here Yes, you have to, it, it becomes part of your identity. So it has to be something that you want, just like breathing, <laughs> just like having a family and as, as much as you want all the other things that we want in life. There was a student that I was, uh, I did mock interviews with this past year. She applied last cycle, I believe, had six or seven interviews, didn't get in anywhere. Great student, uh, underrepresented minority, female, uh, and got got great interviews at schools and didn't get in anywhere. Was waitlisted in one place, I think. And so did some mock interviews with me this year. She's, I think, up to six acceptances last time we, wow. we checked. That's amazing. But what the reason I bring that up is because I would ask her, why the a typical question I ask a student, why should we accept you? And she said, if, if you don't want my application on your desk again next year, then you should accept me. <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> I, it was, it was hilarious and funny and, and showed me how serious she was. I think I coached her on how to change the answer a little bit, but, uh, no, but, I think that's a great answer. But it, 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 it shows her dedication to say, you know what, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So screw you if you're going to get in my way. Absolutely. And I think I gave the wrong answer back then. And I should, I just, I was too naive. I didn't know. I hadn't thought through this. I didn't have someone like you being helpful and advising me and telling me what, uh, but it, it makes all the sense in the world, certainly looking back. So plan B's in life, have them for careers if you're on this path to be a physician, be on this path, that one path. No early exits, no breaks in the median for emergency vehicles to make U-turns on the highway. One path. Mm-hmm. One, I like it. One track. All right. Anything else you want to add? I think you said it. I think I think that's great. And I would tell the student who emailed you to pursue what he's interested in and not worry about 
what major the school is going to see as long as he has his prerequisites in and, and he demonstrates that he has a lot of drive and, and wants to be a doctor, then that's what he needs. All right. There you have it. Spoken from Allison Gray. It's great to have you back. Thank you. I always love being here, Ryan Gray. Maybe you should uh, come back more in 2017. Okay. All right. It's a deal. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> All right. I hope you got something informative out of this podcast. Podcast. If you're struggling with your decision on pursuing medicine, not pursuing medicine, on what major you're choosing based on on the viability of that major. And one thing we actually didn't talk about, I'll just kind of divert, that the majority of students who graduate from, from college don't use their major in their career anyway. So <laughs> Very it doesn't true. Really matter. Very true. <laughs> Sorry, I'll throw, I'll throw that one in there. So yeah, if, if you're trying to decide what major to choose based on what career you want to have outside of medicine, if, you think, if you're thinking of a plan B, then uh, maybe you should just move over to plan B as your plan A. That's all right. It's okay to realize that medicine's not right for you. All right, so I want to thank our sponsor, Next Step Test Prep. If you are planning on taking the MCAT anytime soon or in the future, whenever you are, go check them out, nextsteptestprep.com. They're known for their one-on-one tutoring, and they have recently added an MCAT course, an online course that you take that has tons of videos and probably... I I know more information than those big box companies like Kaplan or Princeton Review. And guess what, Allison? What's that? It's cheaper. Nice. Win-win. So go check them out. NextStepMCAT.com is the site for that. Use the code MSHQ, all capital letters, MSHQ. Save some money on the MCAT course, on their tutoring, on their 10-pack or 4-pack or 6-pack, whatever. Uh, pack of MCAT full-length test questions you want to get from them. They have it all. NextStepTestPrep.com. Use the code MSHQ to save some money. Thank you for joining us. Literally us this time. I always say us when it's usually just me. But I'm here. I'm just upstairs. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining me and Allison on this uh, amazing podcasting journey podcasting four podcasts a week now with the specialty stories podcast episode and you're going to join me on that one soon talking about neurology nice i'm excited yes all right have a great week and we'll see you next week here at the pre-med years podcast